We're back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on Faith FM, which means that we're about to get into our Bible study. This week, of course, we're talking about the eyes of the Lord and God's worldview and having a biblical worldview around and seeing, seeing things through God's eyes when we, when we can and wherever we can, which is going to be amazing. Don't forget to, uh, of course, grab the Faith FM app. And there's something else I want to tell you about. I did mention this maybe a week ago, but now it's coming up a lot closer. So starting on October the 27th at 7.30 in the evening. So this is a really good time. You can be relaxed. You can be at home. You can be chilling. There is going to be another, the second installment of the end.digital. This one is different from the last one in that this one focuses on the United States in Bible prophecy. So it's interesting. Over the uh, weekend, of course, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden were both in church. Joe Biden was going to Mass at a church where his son is buried. And Donald Trump was going to uh, worship service in Las Vegas. Sounds about characteristic for both of them, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so, yes, they were both at church. But what does that actually mean for us? And what role does the United States play in Bible prophecy? Something interesting about this is that when people first identified the United States as being the world's last superpower, from Bible prophecy, it was far from being a superpower. It was a little bit like if we started preaching tomorrow that New Zealand would one day be a superpower. Yeah. Everyone would go, yeah, nah, you know, New Zealand's a pretty small country, not that many people living there, not really a player on the world stage. Nah, not going to happen. And so people, you know, 13 colonies over there, sort of mostly wilderness, not much happening. Why? Why? You know, the British can't even be bothered spending enough energy to keep their holdings there. You know, people are like, no, no. But students of Bible prophecy were like, yep, we've found it. This is the last one. It's right here. And if you want to know, how the United States fits into Bible prophecy, and what the Bible says about America, then we're going to do a nine-part series on it, America and the End, it's called. Uh, We're going to talk about what's happening in America right now. We're going to talk about some history of how it came into being. We're going... It's a fascinating series. So Sharissa Tarosian and myself... And this time, as we were last time with the end, this time we're including Sharissa's husband, Justin. You're going to appreciate what he has to say because he actually is an American. Um, yeah, American of, uh, um, well, he's, yeah. No, he's an American. He's got, he's got uh, relatives that come from Iraq, I think it is. But, yeah. So, yeah, he's an American uh, from California, and so you can, um, yeah, listen to his perspective as well. We're going to follow it up with a discussion. Mm. Two Americans, two Australians, sitting around a table. Hey. Discuss, and you can send in any question you want live. Mm. So that's what's happening right there. Okay, so make sure that you get ready for that uh, October 27, starting at 7.30 p.m. in the evening. 
All right, where are we up to? We are into our uh, Bible study, and this morning we are going to talk about Leibniz's question. <laughs> I can't say that either. Leibniz. I'm not good at German. <laughs> we used to have a co-host here, Monica, and she was German. Oh, she this would have... moment, this, this morning we need her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so many years ago, a German thinker and writer named Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz we will say that, asked what is probably the most basic and foundational question possible. Why is there something instead of nothing? It's a really good question, right? Uh, Yes. Because if you consider the law of cause and effect, right? Yes. Let's think about that for a moment. Mm. So if I, uh, let me see, I'll pick up my phone here. Somebody needs to call this phone actually, by the way. We want to hear from you guys this morning. We want to hear from our listeners. Tell us your thoughts on, uh, on what we've been talking about. But this is an effect. My phone is an effect. It's one of my personal effects because it has my personal information on it. But it is, in a, it is an effect, okay? Wherever you have an effect, there is a cause, Somebody caused this to exist. Yes. Right? So at some particular point, there was uh, some people in China somewhere who made the parts and assembled it. Uh, There was more people who shipped it to Australia, more people who sold it to me here in Australia. So this this is an effect. And there are a whole bunch of causational, if that is a word, um... Reasons that this is in my hand right now. At some particular point, somebody caused it to exist by thinking it up and inventing it in their mind and then inventing it on paper and then inventing it for real. So that's the laws of cause and effect. So uh, when you look out at the world, everything exists because something caused it to exist, right? Yes. Trees exist because there was some seeds that fell from other trees that caused that trees to exist. Mm-hmm. All right? So then we look at the universe. If we're going to go on the law of cause and effect, which is, you know, observable in our universe, then we have to say that something caused our universe to exist. Why is there something... Instead of nothing. Okay, so if you go back through the the law of cause and effect, and you go back and back and back and back and back and back and back, all right. So you take my phone, and you know somebody sold it to me, and somebody shipped it to Australia, and somebody made it, and somebody thought of it, and then well, what about that person who thought of it? Where did they come from? Well, somebody caused them to exist, and somebody caused them to exist, and somebody caused them to exist, and what's it made out of? It's made out of you know the various elements of the earth, um, and you know that have been you know extracted and made into there's there's solder in there there's all kinds of different things in there uh what caused all that to exist exist and we can talk to geologists and they can say well solder comes from you know these elements here and we start with lead and then we add this to it and this is how lead was formed and you can take you can work your way all the back all the way back you know back 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 everything exists because something caused it to To exist. exist yeah so then if there is something Right? Yes. Instead of nothing. 
The only reason that you can have something instead of nothing, if you go all the way back, is you have to, at some particular point, come to an uncaused cause. What was that? An, an un- uncaused cause. Something that existed that was not caused not- to exist. Yeah. Right? Okay. So we're going to go deep here this morning when you think about this. You got to, if, you, if, if something exists, at some point, something existed without a cause. That's a starting point. And we're going to find out exactly what that starting point is in just one moment, right after this. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so if you're going to find an uncaused cause, where would, where, where would you go, uh, Renee? Oh, where would I go? If yeah, I an uncaused cause, something that existed cause. before everything else and caused everything to exist and existed without being caused to exist. Where would I go? Is there anywhere I could? Let me share with you where I would go. I think you might already be there. I'm just looking across the table. I think you're already there. Why don't you read it for us? <laughs> okay, Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There is your uncaused cause. You see, for something to exist at some point, there must be something that simply existed. And that is what the Bible calls and what we call, and that is who God is. God has always existed. This is what the Bible claims. And this is interesting because the Bible was three and a half thousand years ago. Leibniz didn't, li- listen, uh, didn't, didn't live that many years ago. The Bible is three and a half thousand years old and, uh, and talks about a time, of course, that is 6,000 years old. And it begins with an uncaused cause. The very first line of the Bible is answering the question that Leibniz is asking, why is there something instead of nothing? Three and a half thousand years ago, uh, when the Bible was going to be written, it's like, okay, this is the foundational question. Why is there something instead of nothing? All right, let's answer that question. Mm. In the beginning, God. Straight up, right? This is the, this is the, you know, the Bible is a genius book. It answers the deepest the, uh, philosophical questions that... Um, can possibly be imagined. So somebody's texting through to say that God had no starting point, as he always was. He is the great I am. Mm. That's what he proclaims himself as, the self-existent one. That would be another good place to go. I think Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 starts with that, but that passage where God talks to Moses in the burning bush and proclaims himself as you know, Moses is like, well, who do I tell them that you are? Because, you know, they're worshipping all these uh, Egyptian gods these days. So how do I explain who you are? You just tell them, tell them, I am. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I am. And so Moses turns up and says, I am, <laughs> has sent me to you. You know, that would be, that would be one of those mind-bending kind of introductions, like what is Moses talking about? Who is the I am? But being extremely intelligent people as they were back in the day, you know, this would be, okay, this is the answer to all of your philosophical questions right here. I am. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go to John chapter 1 now. 
John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. And what's interesting in the Bible is that the existence of God is always assumed. Because things exist, then it's assumed that God exists. Of course God exists. How can, how can things exist if God doesn't exist? Mm. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created. Uh, things exist because you know, it doesn't start yes. with you know, a whole bunch of logical arguments. Um, it just starts with the fact that God exists. Yeah. Therefore, we exist. Mm. All right, where are we up to? John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Okay, so there is your uncaused cause. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and in him was life and he created Everything. This is who and what existed before everything else. In fact, I'm going to show you another verse on this. Uh, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Really like this passage right here. Colossians chapter 1 is talking about Jesus Christ. Great passage. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll read verse 16 and 17. Okay. Go for it. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him uh, and for him. Uh, he existed before everything else, and he holds all creation together. Okay, so notice that what the Bible says there. He existed before everything else. Yeah. Okay, so nothing would exist if there wasn't something that existed without a cause. Yeah. And here the Bible says, okay, if you're looking for something or someone that existed without a cause, it was God. It was Jesus Christ. He existed before all things. He caused all things to come into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people talk about, oh, the universe was created by the Big Bang. Right? Yes, I've heard that many but, times. But, yes, over and over again, uh, the, the universe was created by a Big Bang. I believe that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Jesus said, let there be, and bang, there it was. <laughs> um, but that's not the Big Bang that the evolutionists talk about. The evolutionists talk, talk about a massive explosion somewhere in you know the eon, eons of eternity past. But if, what you're, like, if we're going on what you're saying, it doesn't make sense because... Okay, what caused the explosion? Exactly. What caused the flammable elements to explode? So that an explosion could take place. Mm. Because you don't get an explosion without fuel. And you don't get an explosion without ignition. So to have an explosion, you've got to have fuel and you've got to have ignition. So where did the fuel come from? And where did the ignition come from? Now, the ignition is probably the easier one to explain because you can get, you know, spontaneous ignition. You get the right kinds of, uh, you know, chemicals mixed together and they can spontaneously unite. But where did those chemicals come from? You see, you don't get something from nothing. 
And this is the problem with evolution. When the evolution goes back, 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 you have the entire universe coming from nothing. And people call that science. That is not science. That is not observable. It is not testable. It's not repeatable. Nobody has ever blown nothing up. Yeah. You know? We understand this. It's not a difficult concept for us to wrap our heads around. And so there must be, and this is where the Bible says, by him, by Jesus Christ, everything was created that was created because he has always existed without a cause. Ah, I love the Bible. Okay. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Very well-known passage here for uh, Adventists. We're Adventists here on Faith FM Radio, in case you're wondering. Um, and so, yeah, this is kind of one of our central verses yes, in many ways. indeed. In many ways. It's kind of special for us. Um, hoping it will be special for you today as well. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. Okay. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Okay, let's have a think about this passage here for a moment. Uh, If we look at our world, everyone in our world today has a seven-day week. Yes. Doesn't matter what religion you are. Doesn't matter what nationality you are. Doesn't matter what language you speak. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a seven-day week. Uh, there's been a couple of attempts to have a metric week, like you know the French Revolution. They decided that yeah. they'd have a ten-day week and so forth. What is the cause for the seven-day week? The cause is God, right? That's right. If we look at the month, the cause for the month is the cycle of the moon. Mm. If we look at the year, the cause for the year is the cycle of the earth around the sun. If we look at the day, the cause for the day is the rotation of the earth. And if we look at the week, 52 of them in a year, that's kind of odd and random. The cause is God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're talking about creation as the, yeah, we're talking about creation in the Bible today. We just read about the... Passage in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11, where the Bible says, For in six days God created the heavens and the earth. Pretty plain statement, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a difficult one to understand. No, hard to misinterpret. Yes, indeed. Renee. Yes. What's the most most foundational doctrine in the Bible? Oh, the foundational? The most foundational. Would it have to do with like creation? Absolutely. Just like God made everything. Exactly. What's interesting is the Bible does not start with um, the law or the cross or the resurrection or the mm. second coming. It doesn't start with any of those things, does it? No. It starts with creation because none of those things make any sense without creation. None of them have any relevance without creation. If God did not create human beings 
And if God did not create the law, and if God did not create morality, why would you have a cross? Why would you have a second coming if God didn't create human beings? Mm, yeah. None of that makes any sense whatsoever at all. Creation is the most foundational doctrine in the Bible because creation reveals that you and I are children of God. It reveals who our, who our identity is and it also answers all of the big questions. Mm. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? Mm. Creation answers that oh, because no. it says, where did we come from? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go <laughs> well, creation answers that by saying, okay, where did we come from? Mm. God created you. Why am I here? God wants to be your friend. Yeah. Where are we going? That's your choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But let's choose heaven and let's spend eternity with God, right? Yeah. You were going to say something? Well, basically you kind of touched on it. It it answers the – like it's a good foundational point on which we build our identity or where we grow from as as people. Yes. So it's very – I'm like how does this – why does this simple question matter so much? Absolutely. But it's on that where we, you know, move forward in in life. Okay. How many – what percentage of Christians would you guess – Believe in creation. What percentage? Because, I mean, we just talked about how foundational this is. Okay, so let let me take that one step further. Before you answer that question, let me take it one step further. Uh, Let's think about it from this perspective. If God did not create us and we evolved from mud, right? Mm. Why is there anything that is called morality? From an evolutionary perspective, you can be incredibly successful as a species without any kind of morality. Think of the great white shark. I've used this example a number of times. It lays an egg somewhere in the middle of the ocean. The egg floats around for however many months and hatches in a vastly different part of the ocean. There is no morality whatsoever at all. It's just an eating, killing, eating machine. Very, very successful apex predator. As a species, you don't Morality is not required. No. Where does morality come from? Well, from an evolutionary perspective, it would be something that we created for ourselves, right? That's right. But that's clearly not the case. (laughs) An evolutionary perspective only creates things that are beneficial for us to be able to pass on our genetic material. Mm Mm-hmm. Survival of the fittest. So let's say then that um, you get married and have a husband and uh, let's say that you can't have children. Mm-hmm. That'd be a tragedy, but let's say you know, it happens with some – or you do have children, but let's say you want to invest your life into running an orphanage in a developing country. That's a tremendous amount of time and yeah. energy that you'd put into that. And it's not an uncommon thing for somebody in – uh, in ministry to do, mm-hmm. what benefit does that give to you passing on your genetic material? <laughs> um, none, because it that actually hinders it. Benefit me at all? No. Because you are using your resources mm. to help pass on the genetic material of people that you will never know because they've died, and therefore, therefore, from a evolutionary perspective have no value to you except that they are competition for your genetic material. Mm. 
You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Morality doesn't exist. There is no such thing as morality without God. There is no reason, there is no evolutionary path through which morality can evolve. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that Christianity, of course, is all about moral living. It's the whole idea of Christianity, right? So we live a life like Jesus lived his life and he was the ultimate example of morality. Yeah. Uh, but if creation doesn't exist, then morality doesn't exist. If creation doesn't exist, then sin doesn't exist. You know, Hitler was the, uh, the most uh, righteous person that ever lived in recent years from an evolutionary perspective because he created an environment in which survival of the fittest could, um, could take place and that weaker people could be wiped out and the gene pool could be strengthened. Mm. Very moral thing to do from an evolutionary perspective. The, has the evolutionary it hasn't been around for long, right? No, I mean forty four. Honestly, because if it was a lot, it was if it was around from the beginning, like I think eh, we would be wiped out by now. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. This is the reason thing. <laughs> That's there's no question about that. Um, and so then, if you do away with creation, you've done away with right and wrong. You've done away with morality. If you've done away with morality or right and wrong, then you've what's the purpose of the cross? None whatsoever. What's the purpose of the second coming? Doesn't matter. Absolutely. What's the purpose of the resurrection? What's the purpose of the law of God? None of it has any relevance whatsoever at all if you do away with creation. Okay, now I'm going to come back to that question. What percentage of Christians do you think believe in creation as a guess? Uh, I'd say quite a lot, maybe 90, 95. Okay, I'm going to shock you. Yeah? Yeah. In our church? Yeah. We have more believers in creation than any other church on the planet. Which is you know, a bit of a pat on the back this morning and a bit of a uh, brag just simply because we can. Yeah. Um, this is our radio station, so we, we, we brag when we can. Uh, 80%. Ah. What is Our 20%? next nearest competitor okay. All right. is Baptists. Uh-huh. At 30%. 30? And it goes down from there. Well... I told you I was going to shock you. <laughs> what are we believing? What are you- I was told that I, I told you I was going to shock you. <laughs> so people believe in going to church and getting a nice warm fuzzy, but when they actually stop and think about the big questions, they've got no answer for their big questions. And this is why atheism and secularism is on the rise, is because Christianity, by accepting the teachings of evol- evolution, have lost their ability to be able to answer the questions that secular people are asking. They can't answer the questions of why am I here, who am I, and where am I going? They can't answer the question of why does something exist. Uh-huh. They can't answer any of those questions because they have lost the fact that God is our creator. Anyway, someone wanted to, wanted to comment, isn't it funny that after the Big Bang that all the pieces turned into pretty perfect circles? Planets and suns. Never seen that happen before in the natural world. Yes, and I've never seen an Oxford Dictionary come out of an explosion in a library either. But that's what evolution kind of teaches. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yeah, anyway, it is now time for... Question of the Day. All right, here we go. 
If Babylon was the Roman Catholic Church and the beast is the government, just how, when, and where does the government hate the the Catholic Church, bring her to ruin, leave her naked, eat her flesh, and burn with her with fire? Okay, really good question coming from Revelation chapter seventeen, and of course, in Revelation chapter seventeen, you've got a couple of different symbols that are used to basically it's a repeat of uh, Revelation twelve thirteen, Daniel chapter seven, and so forth. You got the same identifying marks coming through in Revelation chapter 17, but you've got a slightly different view of the beast. Now, a beast in Bible prophecy is a symbol of a nation. Uh, A woman in Bible prophecy, Renee, is a symbol of a church. church. And so in Revelation chapter 17 and verse uh, 3, the Bible says, He carried me away in the spirit to the wilderness. I saw a woman sit on a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. We've spoken about this uh, beast with seven heads and ten horns in a number of different forms in Revelation 13 and in Revelation 12. Here you have it in a different form again, this time with a woman riding on its back. Okay, so a beast, a symbol of a nation, a woman, a symbol of a church. What you have is a a picture of a union of church and state in which the church is in control of the state. So, you know, the rider on the horse, it is the rider who is in control. You know, the, the woman is the one who is riding the beast, therefore it is the woman who is, who is the one who is in control. So you have the church controlling the state. And the person wants to know, okay, how, when does all of this fall apart? Because the Bible says at the end of this chapter... Uh, the ten horns which you saw in the beast, these shall hate the whore, that's the woman, shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire, for God has put in their heart to fulfill his will and to agree to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled and the woman which you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Okay, so how do you have, obviously you've got a union of church and state at the beginning of the chapter and a very, very violent separation of church and state at the end where you've got this whole system of union and church and state that just implodes on itself in massive self-destruction. And so the person wants to know how, why, when, where does this happen? Okay, there are some things in the Bible in prophecy that are still future. 90-some percent of all prophecy has been fulfilled. And we can look back on its fulfillment, and that's great for us who live at the end of time because we can see, you know, fulfilled, 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 fulfilled. It goes on and on and on and on and on. So that when we get to those parts that are not yet fulfilled, we go, uh, okay, we can trust those because we have seen so much that has been fulfilled. Yeah. And so some people look at this and be like, oh, you know, the union of the union of church and state. Say, for instance, in the Vatican, you've got an example of it there. Uh, you also have an example developing in the United States. Hmm. It's been taking place over the last thirty years or so. Very, very interesting to watch what is happening there. Uh, but that'll never fall apart. Well, why would that actually be unbelievable? Look at the United States right now. Is it so hard to imagine religious Americans and secular Americans going to war against each other? Not now, no. Not now, not at all. Is it so hard to imagine a system like this that we see in the United States imploding on itself where the two sides attack each other and destroy each other, eat their flesh with fire, etc., etc., etc. That's not hard to imagine at all. In fact, 
after this year, it's a whole lot easier to imagine than it was last year. Yes. And I've, I've said this for the last probably two or three years, that every election in America draws us one step closer to civil war and those lines would largely be drawn along religious secular lines. Mm. That is much of what we see that is taking place. And so, yes, this is a portion of Scripture that is yet to be fulfilled. That means that we cannot say this is how it happened. But we can say this is what will happen. It, you know, particularly you look at the government, you've got the uh, the church and the state, the Holy Roman Catholic See, the Holy Roman Catholic Church, imploding on each other, destroying each other, that system obviously, and the end.digital starting on 27th of October is where we are going to unpack this in Detail. So we've got a nine-part series, half-hour presentations. The end dot digital, seven thirty, October twenty-seven. Mark it in your diary because we're going to be unpacking this whole union of church and state, and then how it all implodes and blows apart at the end of time. We're going to be going through this in detail. It's going to be the most amazing series that uh, you'll ever be able to watch. It's certainly the most amazing series I've had the privilege of being a part of putting together. So make sure that you put that in your diaries. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.